Warning, this program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Going live in five, four. What does live mean? Uh. Welcome to the Rambling Podcast. I am your host, Jack. And I am your host, Christina. And this is the show where we ground humanity's most absurd and baffling ideas. Uh, For real. For real. For real. Mm -hmm. So last week, we were trying to find out more about this place called Hyperborea. You know, where the Nephilim most likely were after we've established what... The fact of all the information we've been uncovering truly seems to be, at least now in this new 2024 reframing, I guess every couple of years the narrative shifts into some new thing. Before it was mysticism, then it was science, as like, you know, astronomy and stuff, realms and junk, and now it's like, no, that was all just computer program. It's a simulation. It's crazy. This is weird. But, as you guys, anybody who was listening, and you, Christina... As you guys all know, last week, there was way more to talk about, but I couldn't get to any of it because there was absolutely too much to talk about. So instead, what I've done is created an entire different set of information. Well, I cut out that information and added to it to then be able to give what I was omitting originally because I thought it wouldn't make it, but none of it made it. So now all of what I was originally not gonna is It's all related to Nephilims? No. no? Well, sort of. What's the bait? What's everything about at the end of the day? Or not really anything specific? It's literally about everything we've been talking about. All of it. Yes. Not just the Nephilims. Not just the Nephilims. It's about everything we've been talking about. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so my intention was to get to that, but that seemed to be a little bit of a problem because we had quite a bit of uh, content to get through. (laughs) And uh, hopefully that's not a problem today because we're going to try to actually get through all of those things. So I'll begin by mentioning the fact that Hyperborea was a huge focal point for the Greek they talked about it quite a bit. That's the name of the island that they're supposed to be coming from? The Nephilims, maybe? I don't, I don't know if it was an island. I know it was Or whatever, like, the, yes, the area far away. Yes, yes, yes. In the north. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's supposed to be that. And so, uh, in originally following this train of thought about the Nephilim, I came across something really interesting and weird. So what I'm going to do is show you what it is first, and then Mm. we're going to talk about what it is real quick. So I'll have you now look at, um, what do the people say? Example A or whatever? No, what do they say? Like, object, whatever. You know, when they're doing a presentation, like, look at something A or whatever. Yes, I don't know what it is. But you know what I mean. Yes. Okay. So let us begin. Evidence? Let's just say evidence one and two or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Examples. Here are some examples. What would you say looking at this we are looking at? Wheels. It looks like a wheel, right? Oh, now you're zoning in. What kind of a machine? What are we looking at? A clock? Oh, Uh, a lockbox? Okay, it looks like a safe I can see. Safe, yeah. A very fancy door. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that would be a really fancy door. And so this is the recreation of it. These... Are the recreation oh, of this that one. up oh, here? That's what we have. The, those rusty parts. Yes, this is what it looks like as we have it, and working back from it, this is what we have. Is it very thin, though? It's filled with many components. That part isn't necessarily thin. Yeah, but the box—that's the whole box. The one in the bottom. This one. Uh, both of these would be what the whole thing looks like. Yeah, but, like, it's that length. Like, it looks like a book, maybe. Or a safe where you can hide a book. Maybe? A safe where you can hide a book. Maybe, I don't know. Because it looks like you can open it, but it looks very thin. thin. Like, you're going to put something in there. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you exactly what this is. 
so that you can comprehend the the nature of the situation. This is called the antikythera mechanism, and it is. Be ready for this. A from roughly the year about two thousand BC. This is an analog computer that can run computations of extremely high degree, and it most likely resulted in being able to navigate large distances accurately using the longitude and latitude of places in order to find and locate anything. It's a kind of computer. It's a computer. It's a giant calculator of some sort. Hmm. But not just calculator numerically, but it would like literally give you locations based on the numbers and the equations that you put into it. What exactly was the tech? The I don't know. Like, what is it made out of? It just looked like a bunch of wheels. Yeah, these are uh, many different plates that work together, kind of like if you had a clock. Uh, think of a watch on your arm. That's mm-hmm. an analog watch. That's still running. Uh, a metronome, essentially, of exactness trying to calculate time, an analog computer would essentially work the same way, but it would have... It's kind of like how people build it in Minecraft, that you can have... Like, they're not really building a computer, but really they're having... If this thing moves this way, then that thing should move that way. And so mm-hmm. that's what's happening here. And so the that thing should move that way, as a result of many of these other things moved this way, will give you an exact that way, which would be the answer. It's a, it's a computer. It's an okay. analog computer that you run all of it and will provide you with information that you didn't like previously a GPS, possess. So, it could work like it. a GPS. It could work like a calculator. It could work like a clock. It runs numbers and works in all facets of number running. Oh, okay. Yes. And so it is quite possible that this is what they use to track many, many things and that this is why they were a problem to the Elysians to begin with. Because they... Wait, that's from the Greeks? It's from the Greek. Because I don't think you said where that came from. Oh, yeah, this is from the Greek. Oh, okay. Yep, this is from the Greek. And they made it how long ago? Uh, it The earliest possible date is about 2,000 years BC, mm. which most likely is incorrect. That's just the earliest likely. But in order to achieve this level of computation power, you must have been working at it for quite some time, which means it's most likely significantly older than that. Or they could have borrowed it from somebody. It doesn't exist anywhere else. I'm talking well, about just the only things we found. We can't say we where because we have only found it there. No speculation needs to be had here because they're the only ones. And we've seen more technological places that didn't have it. So there must have been better systems that we aren't aware of. This is just their system. Mm-hmm. And we can like, there's, it's nowhere else. It's never been found anywhere else. Nothing similar to it has been found anywhere else. It's just Greek. Okay. They did not borrow this. They invented this. Hmm. But they most likely used this to find the Nephilim. This is probably how they got there and back consistently. Is there more than one of these there, though? There are several, yes. Okay. Yeah, it seems to be a high society piece of technology, which you can obviously just attribute to the Greek gods Mm -hmm. research group. Hmm. You think they were searching for the Nephilims? I don't think they were searching for anything specifically. I think science and science-related things had them going places and investigating weird things. I don't think they were necessarily looking for anything. It was science. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, but again, we don't know. Okay. That would be highly speculative without any additional information. We don't know what this was being used for. We just know what it could have been used for. And until we get, like, uh, something that tells us it, names it directly and said, oh, this is how they found the thing. Like, this is just technology we know of. Okay. So, in doing that, I realize we've done all of this. And, like, I don't know how this never came up. But I also guess we never really directly tried to interact with their technology, anybody's technology from that time. We just read about it. And I'm like, wait, why don't we look at some of this? More different Greek technology? More technology. Okay. And it began with like, oh, the Greek, because why would we focus on the Greek if there's way better people out there, right? Okay. Like, this is primitive next to some of the things we're going to come up with right now. pretty cool. Yeah. This is, no, this is the bottom of the barrel. Oh, okay. They were obviously, like, that's what I'm telling you. This is definitely not borrowed. This is primitive next to some of the shit we're about to come through. Oh, okay. Which is older than this. 
Mm-hmm. This is primitive next to crap that's older than it. So we're going back in time. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. essentially going back in time to look at some really interesting things. And the location to a lot of these things is very telling. So let us begin with a concept that we call the Baghdad Battery. So the Baghdad Battery is essentially a portable battery. Not even a battery. It's an energy generator, which uses magnets. It uses copper coils, and it uses water to create a magnetic field in order to then generate enough electricity to then light bulbs and light electronics. It is a very interesting... It's very strange. Like, but it's a battery? Like, it was being used as a it's type a, of battery? It's a portable generator. Portable generator. Not a, Yeah, like, it stores energy, but also generates energy. Mm. And it works in such a manner where it has the copper coils, you fill the bottom with water, it has the rotating iron rod. But then what did they do with these batteries? <laughs> Power things. Like what? Stuff. You have no idea? presumably things that required electricity. Again, I am telling you what I do know. Oh, okay. We're discussing the objects. I don't... If I know what it was used for, you're going to get that information. Okay. I assure you that much. But I know this much. It's a battery, and when we recreate it, it's actually so sophisticated that we needed to find it in order to recreate it. Oh. Because before finding it, this basic concept of how to generate electricity seemingly with nothing... Mm-hmm. would have been something we thought impossible. Super basic looking, extremely efficient, and generates enough of a power source that you can power small objects with it. Allowing you to carry this to the middle of the desert, for example, and power something inside of a cave. What could that possibly be, though, that they're powering? It's portable. Anything. Anywhere. You can take it anywhere. It's not stationary, so it's not for a thing. It's for many things. Yeah. It's for whatever requires electricity that needs a small supply. Mm. So whatever they had that required electricity, assume that was powering it if it was small enough. This was found in Iran. Okay. Iran is Persia. Specifically the part of Persia where the Elysians come from. Mm. Mm. Okay. Found. There are many of these. This is abundant as fuck. Look at how many different variations are found all over the place. And more densely, the closer to the neck of the Persian Gulf Oasis you get. But, like, they're all different shapes and sizes, too. Yeah, ultimately the same. Well, not too different size. Like, we're talking that they aren't necessarily too, too, too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the size of a jar. We call them a jar. Mm-hmm. So the size of, like, a vase or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Very simple, basic idea, but it works, and we didn't come up with it ourselves. We had to find it. So, great battery source suggests a lot of electronics existed in small, like small energy required requirement electronics. Mm. And there are many, 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 many. This assumes that perhaps the Iranian people of that time, which was Persia, because this is dating far back from BC, we're talking thousands of years in, um, it, it assumes that they had a lot of portable things, maybe phones, maybe phones. light bulbs. Again, you go into a cave, you want to mine it or something, you strap some lights, you connect it to this thing, now you got light in there. Um, maybe it could generate, like, fire or heat. Maybe you're trying to stay warm when it's cold in the desert. I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah. it could be any number of things could, this could power. Mm-hmm. Which, in return, the Persians have portable batteries, and that obviously took me to the next logical conclusion, which is, well, where were you getting the electricity that you're storing in here to begin with? This could generate, but you could also store massive amounts of electricity in here, which then takes us to the obvious... The, the pyramids of Giza, which are the big generator, right? Without talking about any of the teleportation technology, which is only inscribed upon the walls, we don't know which of these chambers work in such a way to use the teleportation, although it's suspected that it's the centerpiece right here, especially because it has many quantum annotations on the walls. What? But the rest of it, again, it's, a, it's fascinating that this pyramid serves us to exact... How far is the pyramid to those jars? The pyramid's way before that. Okay. We're talking like 5,000, 6,000 years BC, which mm-hmm. is roughly 1,000 or 2,000 years before these jars. 
But like, what the locations though? Are they how far? Oh, apart? oh, they're near each other. Iran and Egypt are close, close. Okay. And all of that was considered Persia. Mm-hmm. That was all one empire. Well, it's pretty big yeah. empire. And what, what was happening with the pyramid? Was in the center? They think the two things that this has are many quantum equations in the center chamber, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is built of quartz and is built of uh, electrical magnetic uh, equipment. Can store and generate energy in mass and. Uh, presumably can receive energy from this chamber, which makes no sense because it's a closed-off chamber. It receives energy from the outside, and it receives mass energy from this chamber, which seems to be the main spot that it would receive it from, which makes no sense because the chamber is completely closed off and has nothing in there other than quantum annotations, Hmm. which suggests some hefty, hefty, hefty unknown tech happening. That is awesome. Yes, yes. And there's actually a, a, a couple of explanations on how these things work. So the, it generates its own magnetic field, which can then generate electricity accordingly. That has to do with the outside of it? Uh, yes. Well, its structure inside and outside are both highly important. Okay. Yes. Very, very efficient. So diving specifically into the pyramids. I'm going to read you some details about how they function. Now, the electrical magnetic concentration. The pyramid can focus electrical magnetic energy in its internal chambers under its base, which essentially hints at its capability of generating and manipulating a huge magnetic field, and then in return creating the energy necessary so it can generate the energy, not just the magnetic field, but the energy itself. It generates it, it stores it. Yes. Then... It doesn't store it. It generates it and has all the facilities to move it. Now, this is where it gets interesting, because it was unknown, most of this, how it would work, until we come across Nikolai Tesla. And Nikolai Tesla had a particular obsession with these, because he wanted to be the other... Yeah, he wanted to make his own power sources. We know his power sources are the most efficient, which is why they're not used, because we don't need efficient. We can't profit off of that. So we buried him so that we can profit off of electricity. So was he inspired by it? He was inspired by it, and his work ultimately highlighted how exaggerated this was. So... Going into the materials that they're made out of, there's an abundance of quartz, crystals, tufa limestones, which are all capable of conducting and generating electricity, and can insulate electricity from escaping. So it's essentially a trap that can generate a bunch of magnetic field, draws electricity in, and then it cannot escape, on top of the fact that it seems to be able to receive electricity from where? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But that's not it. This is three different ways of acquiring electricity. That's whatever a lot of this electricity. Okay. Whatever this random chamber is mm-hmm. that's getting electricity from where, then the uh, the magnetism that's pulling electrical magnetic energy from the outside in. And now let's quickly dive into Nikolai Tesla. Now he managed to replicate the distribution of the energy wirelessly through obelisks. These are uh, uh, tall tower things. And these towers send electrical currents from the top, kind of like if you made a really tall uh, a metal tower, metal rod, and that would get hit by lightning bolts and stuff. They were metal towers? He managed to create metal towers and send electricity that's stored in the metal tower. Not stored in the metal tower, but if you connect the metal tower to like a battery or something. He managed to send electricity to power things wirelessly from the metal tower. So one metal tower to the other... Mm-hmm can share electricity now they have equaled out electricity so if obelisk one has the electricity energy it's it's the one with the electrical power obelisk two has zero you then power obelisk one and allow it to send the current and you power obelisk two to receive it mm-hmm. now although they'll lose in the exchange because you need to send it that's energy being used instead of one obelisk having a hundred percent of the energy both obelisks have 80% of the energy divided in half, so 40 and 40. You manage to get the energy across with no wires, with no infrastructure, with nothing. You just sent it directly. And when was he doing this? Nikolai Tesla was doing this. He He discovered this and created it in 1884. When he established this, uh, discovery. Okay. 
And you think he's based it on... He did. He claimed this in his own notes. He was clearly, visibly, and his patent used a lot of this information. He was visibly obsessed with the pyramids. The pyramids. Oh, yeah, he was not. It's not, I think. No, he himself consists. He would go there and study them all the time. Whoa. Yeah, he was just trying to figure it out, which worked because he managed to create a electrical system that required no infrastructure other than obelisks in order to distribute energy. And you got to understand that losing 20% of the energy when you're generating it essentially from thin air doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. where is it coming from that you're losing it to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And so on top of these systems, he also theorized he can take solar energy in mass as opposed to the theorized waster of it like it, uh, washington believed that the capturing the sun would be one of the least efficient ways because we couldn't wrap the world up nikolai tesla believed that that's a stupid idea because you don't need to wrap the world up you just need enough solar power to power the thing you're trying to power which makes sense yeah. Just okay. however much energy you need, just make it a little bigger than that so you There's have a little no extra. There's no way we need an infinite amount of energy. Well, it depends on what these people were trying to accomplish, I suppose. Ah. But his system was highly efficient and based entirely off of the things on the pyramid. So Tesla's work on his electrical magnetic pyramid and Tesla's towers were inspired by the structures of the pyramids of Giza. And he was aiming to harness additional energy from the earth directly not just the magnetic field and whatever teleportation system was occurring here enter the resonance energy transmission the third function of the pyramid discovered by nikolai tesla as well what upon trying to figure out where the extra surplus would be coming from so the great pyramid of giza has an acoustic device designed to harmonize with the Earth's natural vibration and convert this into microwave energy. That sounds a little, a little insane. <laughs> I don't know. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so some of the chambers and passageways were precisely positioned to maximize acoustic properties, which Nikolai was actually easily able to replicate. Once he what? needed, once he knew there was something missing to getting more energy in, mm -hmm. he realized that if you take all the elements into account, he's pulling some out of the air, and then he's using some essentially put with fire, you could say, what? by pulling it out so of. So he really did this. He real, and it's really based on the ferrets. That's so crazy. Yep, that's so weird. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, Washington then bought all his specs and buried. Buried all of it. He bought the patent off of Nikolai Tesla and mm -hmm. then totally disregarded it because he wanted to make a profit. Okay. So this information wasn't even buried by the Elysians or the Egyptians. Modern day man suppressed this technology in order to make a buck. It's hilarious. Yes. We have an energy crisis because we built the planet off of greed. That makes sense. That, yep. that feels right. Yep, yep, yep. Now, we know that in Persia, specifically the Egyptians, were an elite group within Persia. To the point that we refer to the Egyptians as their own group. Mm -hmm. We don't even relate them to the fact that, yes, they were technically within Persia. But they weren't the Elysians. They are a different group from within Persia, who worked exclusively on forms of energy. Yeah. Catching energy, storing energy, moving energy. And the closer we get to the Elysians, the closer we get to this technology, like the batteries. Mm -hmm. But then when we go towards Egypt, the closer we get towards Egypt, the closer we get to generators, not batteries. Okay. Interesting. So the energy was being created in Egypt and moved to Elysium. Oh, you see? is that what you're thinking? Okay. You see how the that image is starting to build? Yes. The closer we get to one, it plays out one way. The closer we get to the other, mm -hmm. it plays out another way. So we can basically pinpoint who's making it and who's receiving it. Because the obelisks 
seem to be what's missing around the pyramids, but there's all the positions for them to exist, including the big pyramid itself being the most obvious obelisk. It's the tallest point around, and also most likely where it's all coming from. So they don't need the batteries in their region if they're directly getting the electrical currents wirelessly. But you can't teleport that across huge countries. You need to be able to deliver it. So maybe trucks packed with these batteries can then take them, or this technology allows them to then, without having to build huge infrastructure, deliver the technology to generate small amounts, but you just keep sending, because again, there's so many the closer you get. But they have teleportation? Presumably all of this is taking place prior to that, obviously. Oh, okay. Mm. Otherwise, why would they need any of this if they could just send it there? Yeah. Obviously, this would have to... Obviously, the batteries must predate the the teleporter, because how are you even going to power a teleporter to begin with? That's a huge Mm -hmm. amount of energy required. You you got to bend space. Assume they had the energy to do that first, and that it wasn't literal magic. So, yeah, they must have shared the energy locally, but then given them the tools to continue to have energy. Again, you could ge- with the batteries, you could generate electricity. Not a lot of electricity, but if you had a fuck ton of it, which, again, the closer you get to the neck of the Persian Gulf Oasis, the more we find, mm-hmm. which kind of fits the, oh, over there they don't need them. Over here they do, and in the middle you'd see an average amount. Yes, yeah. Kind of works. Yes, it does. That's cool. beautiful. Except that them working on these things was... A small part of it. That's what takes us to the ancient staffs these people had. What? All of them work. They're made with copper. They've got copper wiring and they can generate electricity themselves. They're holding these staffs. Yes, you can use these to create electrical currents and to move electricity. These are the tools of people who work with electricity, which... Weirdly enough, happens to fit the very visuals that commoners painted of the sun gods, which was that the sun gods particularly all had staffs reminiscent of these objects, which are coil, uh, coil induction systems. They look like wizards. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like wizards, and basically, wizards is what you need to look like to work with electricity. Yes, a and staff to a normal electric powers. Yeah, and to a normal person, so you have a hat to protect yourself. A really complicated hat that's diverting anything from hitting you. Yes. Then you have a staff meant to generate and wield electricity. Uh-huh. Then you and your elite group of people are working in this place where every night they can see the electricity that they can't see during the day. And it looks like a thunderstorm is continuously always happening. And it's like, oh, no, the wizards hang out over there. Those are the gods. Obviously, a normal human is going to look at this and be like, those are gods. Yes. They have to be. Yeah. They have to be. There's something else. We're not going to fuck with them. Those are gods. Mm-hmm. But no, as you start painting this picture, it starts to kind of reel it way in. And that it's like. a crazy thing, though. It looks crazy. But when you ground it in the fact that it's just a coil mm-hmm. staff. That allows direction and production of small amounts of energy. It's essentially an inverted version of the battery. It allows them to, while the battery stores it, this doesn't store it. You could generate it and use it in a moment. You can't use a lot. But again, it powers things instantaneously. Perhaps if you're working inside the pyramid and you got to repair something, this is an easy way to send electrical currents, test things out, um, go to people's houses, do something that allows them to cook their meal or something. I don't know. I don't know what this could possibly have been used for, but... Again, diving into Nikolai Tesla's awesomeness, he managed to completely understand the mechanical systems of each one of these details. He made his own? Yes. Uh, well, he, that's how he invented the coils that he used for a lot of these. Oh. Um, yeah, the copper coiling systems were invented by him and then used by uh, George Washington. But uh, yeah, so these are called dyad pillars. And the dyad pillars themselves are capacitors. But those are Egyptians' versions or his versions? These are Egyptians' versions and him explaining the systems and how they work. Because we got to see his versions as just normal coil systems. Oh, okay. The coils are what's based on these. Yes. Everything we use to conduct and capture and transfer electricity at this moment, to this day, Mm -hmm. is identical to what you're looking at here. Okay. Okay, so you can see right here how coils are essentially used in order to wrap electrical currents. This has a negative and a positive, 
and then you can see when we go to the same system, the coiling, you can explain the detailing of how there's a negative and a positive system. There's an out and there's an in equal to how our current systems have an out and an in. And then that negative positive charge allows with a two system to power and charge a battery, although it itself doesn't store it, it can create, generate and distribute it. And so this is essentially the same designs that they had that you can send out electricity even if you can't store it within the device. So this, this staff must have predated the Baghdad battery. It was the first portable way to have electricity. Mm, and okay. then the battery became the first way to not have to use the electricity when it's portable instantaneously, but rather deliver unused electricity. It's probably more. like Yes, you could house way amount. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the battery, you could power a house. With the Baghdad battery, you can power a small house, an apartment. If you have a two, three-bedroom apartment, that Baghdad battery can power that place for a day with one fill of water. So you can, the next day, fill it again and have another day worth of electricity. And you think the staffs are just used around the pyramid? The staffs are, it's unknown what they're used for, but the staffs are at least, bare minimum, a portable version that cannot store electricity. You can generate electricity on the spot, no matter where you are, mm -hmm. but not a strong current. So it works for like, if let's say you attach a light bulb to the top of one of these, you can go and now you have, instead of needing a fire or a lantern that could, in a cave, this just fumes that you're inhaling, mm -hmm. you can just walk in with a staff that's essentially a flashlight. Oh, okay. Let's see. So yeah. now you've created a nice, you can... Go and have a stove outside that's electric, and you just put this next to it, and you could like have a barbecue if you want. Mm. That's interesting. That's yeah. weird. Okay. Presumably, if you had cars, you could attach this to a car and allows you to power the car without having to store energy, and it would just be indefinite energy happening within the car. It would be consistent, and the moment you deactivate this, the car doesn't have any electricity. So it's just really over. You can't store it, but you can generate it on the spot, like the battery. Except the battery can also store it. Now, the battery creates very little electricity. Mm. You can't do a city, but you could do an apartment. You could power things with it. We still have the jars, though, but we don't have the staffs anymore. We have all of the above. What do you mean? Oh, we do? Okay. I thought he was just basing the staffs on the pyramids or something. No, he looked at the staffs and understood what their purposes oh, were. Oh, okay. Yeah, all of the Nikolai Tesla went there personally. He figured all of it out. Oh. All of this is just in places for us, you know? Now, that's just batteries. Like I said, this is going to get weird as we keep going. It's going to get really complicated. So I'm going to show you the next piece, and then I'm going to tell you where it came from. That's more important than even what it is. So I want you to tell me what you think this nifty little object is. Mm. This is tech. Keep in mind, everything here is technology. That is technology. See. It looks like. <laughs> um, are you storing something in it? Mm, maybe. So Water? to describe it to the to the listeners, this basically looks like another jar. Uh, really fancy, elegantly designed. It has dragon heads sticking off of one side, and what looks like frogs. I think frogs, yeah. Capturing whatever's falling. Water. No. It's not water. Um, it uses water to a degree, but it itself isn't reliant on, like, it's not water about, it's not about water. Okay. So, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll get to it explaining the mechanical okay. nature of it. <laughs> this is a free-hanging little wire. It's heavy. It's very, very heavy. It could barely be moved unless you're applying quite a lot of force. This jar goes onto a very stable surface, something that isn't going to move. Mm -hmm. And when there is a tiny, 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 because of the weight, when there's the tiniest, tiniest of vibrations, it shifts away from the vibration, which then forces in the direction of the vibration, a, as the uh, bars inside at the top angle, you can see there's bars connected here at the top. When it moves one way, the, it releases a hinge on the mouth. All the mouths of the dragons have little pelts, that pellets that are in there. 
and when the bar moves the weight distribution opening the mouth, it falls. Now, it's almost imperceptibly tiny, imperceptibly tiny that you, standing in front of it, can watch one fall and never have felt what it felt. It is an earthquake detection okay. system. It is a seismic, uh, a, a size, a seismoscope, and the seismoscope. It's very fancy. It's not just very fancy. It might be among one of the most accurate to have ever existed, and its original creation came to be in like well recorded. Again, it's not so impressive what it is. It's really? how it came to be. So allow me to tell you, Zhang Heng's seismoscope was created in 132 after the death of Jesus, right? Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very important information. Specifically with the fact that it was found and developed. Well, it was not found. It was created in China by this philosopher, Cheng Heng. And so it's essentially the first earthquake detection system. And... uh quite sophisticated like today we use electronics to recreate what this is doing with not a single bit of electricity not one ounce of it none of this matters until i frame the next sentence okay in his manuscript with the details kind of like if you read stephen king on writing the first half of it is just his explanation of his life uh -huh. and then the second half is his instructions on what he believes good writing constitutes his manuscript explaining the construction of this device, which could be replicated right now, but we use electricity to be a little more efficient and get a little farther. By the way, it's super precise. It'll tell you exactly where something happened. Anyways, he uh, claimed, this is so specific, he claimed the original concept that he later perfected was brought to, his, uh, to the attention of his grandfather by a Persian man on his way to Japan. A Persian man on his way to Japan was already working on this concept, a traveler coming through, and his he interacted with his grandfather at some point, and it seems that maybe for a year, two years, or whatever the case might be. He said this is after Jesus. Yeah. He, the creation of this was created after Jesus, yes. How many years? 132 after death. This is 132 years later. Okay. Follow the sentence again. It was brought to his grandfather's attention mm -hmm. by a traveling Persian man on his way to Japan. Mm -hmm. Sounds like Jesus. Sounds oh, like okay. Jesus. Very specifically sounds <laughs> like Jesus. But the man hadn't figured this out. Oh. The man and his grandfather, again, he perfected it. Mm -hmm. The technology was, it came to exist by this man, by Zheng Heng, not his grandfather or the guy. They just came with yeah. the ideas that he ultimately perfected when he really looked into it and studied it. Yeah, this architecture or whatever was just interested in that for some reason. I wonder mm -hmm. why, but mm -hmm. interesting. Really advanced tech just happened to cruise on by. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Very specifically, sounds like Jesus. Yes. When you said like the place was going to be important, I, I didn't understand. Yeah, no, none of this matters. This okay. is a useless piece of device because, again, it's just really clever design, but we mm -hmm. can understand how it works. It's not astounding. It's the fact that you kind of figured this out way long ago, but he wrote it all down. It's like, oh, wow, you were impressively ahead of your time. But no, he wasn't. Somebody else apparently was. And just so happens to be in this area mm -hmm. where everything was happening. Okay. Yes, yes. Now... This gets a little more interesting. What? Because I'm going to show you just something very fancy, very fancy. What do you see here? Drains. Looks like drains, right? Yeah. Some sort of a pipe system. Yes. Nifty. You can see it's layered. There are multiple lining up. Why would there be more than one? Who knows? But there's more than one. There's a lot of them. Yes. This is another instance of... Obviously, we know what it is, and it's not surprising what it is. It's where it is? No. No, I guess no. time-wise. It's <laughs> when it is. When it is, okay. This is the most important when of all the whens by miles. We're not going to come across a more important when than this when, because right now we're talking about something that we shouldn't have access to. 
Melons? No. Not too crazy. The earliest possible date for the Beigong Pipes is estimated to be about 150,000 years ago. That's hard to imagine. The picture? Oh, yeah. 100,000? 150,000 years ago. Where's that location? Now, these metal pipes were in China. Some contain copper cylinders inside. Others are hollow and move water. Designs nearly identical to the ones found around the Palace of Alcaraz at the Persian Gulf Oasis that have been dated to more recent times, about 5,000 to 6,000 BC. These pipes in China are about the earliest 150,000 BC. We are talking such a colossal difference. It is possible. It is absolute. We don't know where Eloi was when he was contacted. We don't know where his civilization was. It is absolutely possible. We just found out the origin location of the Elysians. And the Elysians, at least if we trace it to Eloi, mm-hmm. take us to China. Ooh. We've been looking in wrong places because we were looking at the only places we could see anything. Mm-hmm. But if we want to find things about Eloi... It might be in China? It might be in China. The Elysians are descendants of some crap that came from China. What? According to this, which is structures exclusively found at the Persian Gulf Oasis. These pipe systems are only found in China and in the Persian Gulf Oasis in this particular design. Okay, and these are older. These are significantly older. These are about 140,000 years older. What? This points us where to look. Yes. That is useful What is happening there? Hmm. What was happening there? I think we just got our first, after maybe a year, maybe longer, our first look into where we can start to actually try to find Eloi accounts. Not passive mentions that pop out of a scripture and then we have to bounce off of a single drawing and like sort of kind of loosely connect. No. Structures that maybe he most likely was around or directly responsible for creating. What? Huh. Interesting, huh? Yes. Is there more really ancient things like that? No, that is, like I said, that is the most important. Oh, okay. That is the oldest, that is the only thing that old we have ever found. That completely throws into question any narrative about when society began. But again, we know humans began about 100,000 years ago. And then about 150,000 years ago, we had like truly advanced stuff. Not advanced like scientific, but like things that say, oh, these creatures are going to be something. Those pipes are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This totally defies anything we would have understood. This was not possible for humans. It could yeah. not because we were not. Mm. We didn't exist yet. Yes. We, it happening. couldn't have. We couldn't <laughs> exist yet. Hmm. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So this next one doesn't even have an image because it's more of a style of metal, but it's fascinating exactly what it is. It's called the Damascus Steel, which is a medieval Middle Eastern uh, type of steel which had exceptional strength and the production secrets of which have been lost so it's it cannot be replicated we have the metals and we cannot replicate how this was made we it must have gone through so many different pro and it's exceptionally strong okay some really exaggerated thing we've gotten close and imitated it in other ways but damascus steel is something we cannot replicate perfectly we just get close and we make our own variant and how old are these unknown Oh. It's unknown because the way of the methods and the data for it doesn't exist. Uh, we just what was have the location the then? Well, this takes us back to the same place. This was in Iran. Oh, okay. Back in the Persian Gulf. That's the same shit over and over. So it's unknown how to replicate the steel. And it's assumed it one, it has it contains many different metals. And it mm. must have gone through several cooling and heating processes over and over and over in order to create the level of strength that it is on top of mixing these in the right amount in order to create some almost indestructible level of metal. It was primarily used, and this is very interesting, it shows up in swords a lot, and as the metal seems to be the strongest variant of any metal, when you see movies about a sword breaking another sword, that's what they're referring to, this unbreakable steel that cannot be unsharpened 
it stays equally sharp forever. You throw a feather up in the air and you can slice it clean, that kind of crap. Cool. And this is that. Now, the earliest signs of this metal show up in Iran. The most recent signs of this metal show up in India. This is valuable information for specifically one reason. What? The Indian versions of these seem to have different rune designs on the blades, while the original Iranian versions just had text written on them. This suggests that a lot of the forgers of the, quote, magic, unquote, weapons came from India, and that when we're talking about the Excalibur, a man had to travel to where it was improved, which was India, which was given extra something. And now, considering what a rune might really be, on this exceptionally hard piece of metal, if we remember our narrative has shifted, a rune is some sort of data. It's a symbol oh. with data. Oh. And this is an exceptionally hard piece of metal. You've mixed a unique sort of reality-bending series of information, and you've brought the exceptionally invincible version of the code. And then you put them together. You can't destroy it, but you can rip through anything that you shouldn't. Like fairies, though? Like oh. fairies. A rune, presumably, is a code, and just like Yalda managed to use things, codes, the philosopher's son must be some kind of compressed information mm. that allows you to interact with things you shouldn't. This oh. seems to be right up that alley. Yes. With the people making it being the Indians. The mm. same people who used to take a crazy trip to Mount Kauf. Why did they need Mount Kauf? Why did they know about Mount Kauf? Maybe some individuals were actually in cahoots and somehow buried it. Because again, we looked at the wrong thing when we were looking at the Indians. We were wondering if they had rituals for blood. And then we stopped looking. And then they just kind of came up a couple of times with Shiva and things like that. But again, mm -hmm. we didn't, it didn't dawn on us that, wait, you're coming up more than once. And now they come up again specifically with what's probably the Fragrach's origin, the Excalibur's origin, Kildanya's bow's origin. Every fairy-killing weapon. It we seems know. like fairy-killing weapons were probably not even made by fairies, but by people who understand the code well enough. Mm, okay. Hmm. Mm. This one isn't about how long ago it was. This one is about where and how it was. Huh. Hmm. Two locations we've sort of ignored. Now, prominently important. India and China? Mm-hmm. 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 I want to know more about China. But if we can find anything else on India, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is a piece of glass that is older than 3,000 years old. It has three inscribed lines on it, and it seems to be a part of a telescope. How old is this glass? I just said over 3,000 years old. That's where I began. Oh, 3,000. <laughs> it's over okay. 3,000 years old. And it's part of a... It seems to be part of a telescope, and based on the inscriptions that it's uh, lines dividing it, it seems to have been designed with the intent of, again, lining up with other glass. The magnification of this one is times three, and if you were to add different, presumably different levels of magnification to it, you would have quite a long distance to look. And that is what they found? This is, yes, it is exceptionally old. We're looking in the sky. Far. Far oh. in the sky. Uh-huh. It's so long ago. Yeah. This one, basic. But deducing what the inscriptions on it mean, the angle of the lines and where you'd want to essentially... The idea would be that all three gaps here are to line up with different... Because, again, they're different widths. So you could adjust this lens... According And presumably the other lenses were also divided in such ways that they each had more and more magnification. All three of these sides have different magnification, starting at 3, 6, and 9. How do you do that? It's just different widths and how you warp oh. the glass. It's kind of like if you have a bottle of water 
and you fill it up and then it warps kind of the image. Yeah. Or if you're looking at somebody half in water, half out, and their body's all shaped weird, mm-hmm. it's because they're be- either being magnified to be wider or being magnified to be really skinny based on the shape of the glass. That's how magnification works. You bend glass. So this presumably is part of a bigger structure with a lot of other pieces of glass, bare minimum three, that must also have similar inscriptions on them to create crazy magnification that could, in theory, see quite far with no electricity, probably significantly farther than we can see now. That's that's amazing. I wish you can see what it actually looked like. Yes. That would be quite useful. And then that takes us into the very next thing, the astrolube. An intricate device used by ancient astronomers to navigate. Now, what's complicated about this tool is, it doesn't just suggest navigating oceans. And that's the big, weird, like, huh? Like, did we find the thing? What? Yeah. It's very elaborate. It kind of looks like a clock for the listeners. Yeah, it kind of looks like funny. a really intricate watch. Has many different layers. Very fancy watch. Oh, or yeah. Or not watch. Um, What's that thing called that you use to travel? What, a map? A compass? A compass. Yeah, so what's complicated about this is that all the layers separately create a 3D navigation system. You can angle this and look in any direction, and it will create three-dimensional lines that you can travel. Why would you need to... How would you travel three-dimensional lines if gravity is pulling it out? This This was created by the Egyptians. Oh. Why would you need to travel in three-dimensional space? How? How? Gravity pulls us down, so we're always walking on a flat plane. Even if you got an airplane, you wouldn't need this. Because you'd still be watching the world from a flat angle as you're flying. You just need to know what's ahead or to your sides. You don't need to know what's up or down because there's nothing up with you. So this is to be used in space. This is to be used in space. Which then brings into question the piece of glass we just saw, which was located in Iran, where the neck of the Persian Gulf Oasis is. They were probably watching the things in the sky that were traveling. Well, the Egyptians, not even things. It was people. They were watching people. This is a giant, really comprehensive... Once you get into the tech we have, a lot of this shit just becomes obvious. And if you see how the lines overlap, you get a really comprehensive three-dimensional layout. It's the same image over and over so that you can twist different caps, thus creating different angles that are only existent in three dimensions. What? They were space traveling. They had to be. They had to be. Had to be. Too advanced. Absolutely too advanced. And then this takes us to the last bit, which which is <laughs> this is so complicated. I don't understand how the fuck any of this happens. As you know, we had those pipes. Mm-hmm. And those pipes were very, very old. That itself is pretty complicated, but okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the system with the pipes, as ancient as it was, later led to something a little more useful, right? Directly following those systems, enter the Kasabet Kanat, which is the oldest and largest Kanat, which is essentially a water system, and it's engineered to sustain life, to provide water and cooling systems without ever using an ounce of electricity. What is this? A water system. Water system, okay. The thing about this is it's scattered specifically around Persia, like everything else. Hmm. And the most recent possible date is about 800 BC, and the oldest possible of these is being uh, five to about 5,000 years of age. And they were extremely developed, which suggests that they are part of a comprehensive system that has been worked on for a very long time. As you get farther away from the Persian Gulf Oasis, you come across these systems, but all in Persia. Which means, well, we already established our own, and they work efficiently, but as we keep going, we've gotten better and better every time we do it. It's better and more efficient. Every time we do it, it's better and more efficient. So what are these for, though? Water. Just to have water, to drink water or whatever? Yes, like... it would move water into homes and you wouldn't need electricity. Oh, okay. You would have working faucets. Mm. You would have working showers. You would have 
Uh, that is too complicated. Yeah, and but. it requires nothing but gravity. Gravity is making all of this happen. They're using the down current, then forcing it into an up current. Not only that, this eventually got exploited into something even more complicated than then allows for the same system with nothing but air in order to create cooling systems inside the house and be able to send hot air into the house during the cool season. What? No electricity required. And that's as old? This is about as old. It seems that these two systems were created in tandem. Whoa. Highly advanced, super sophisticated, and doesn't require any, any any electricity to power this proves everything right now is a scam just so that people can charge you for shit <laughs> okay these yeah, systems okay. exist and can be made efficiently more efficiently than a power grid mm-hmm. this is cheaper to make than a power grid for a single house your house could be designed in this format have nothing no electricity and this means literally 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 you would have Nobody sending you electricity, nobody sending you water, and simply with some nice angular things, you would have the pressure necessary to have water anywhere in your house, and you would have a central cooling and heating system that is just the opposite of what it is outside at any given moment. That's way more perfect than what we're doing now. Yes, we have to pay somebody. Yeah, 100%. This requires nothing. It just happens. Self-powered. The universe does it for you. Why don't we live in that? Because we got to charge people for stuff in order uh, for people to make money. Ugh. It's crazy. Yeah. This is way more efficient. Mm-hmm. Every house with this would essentially destroy the need for AC and the need for heaters. Ah, uh, that's trash. Uh, yep. And these are, we can find these in existing structures, but we don't continue to build them because it's inefficient. We can't what? make money from it. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, it's definitely more efficient. We just can't make money mm-hmm. from it. We can't charge somebody if we can't calculate it, and we're looking for ways to charge people. That is sad. That yep. is sad. But that is... That's real. That's real. Yes. All of these. A lot of it looks like sci-fi. Yes. But all of it is real. Okay. Well, all of it exists somewhere, we can go look at it in person. We can just touch it. It's there. Mm. Weird. Yes, the past was living in a sci-fi world that we don't even... We're, like, trying to figure out right now. And we are like, no, it was aliens because they couldn't have been smarter than us. And it's like, shut up, man. Like, be quiet. You no you, don't, you don't know crap. You just want to be the pinnacle and you're not. Mm-hmm. And that shit makes you feel weird. I don't know why. Tesla was getting close. Tesla got there. Yeah. Then Washington bought his pet and was like, fuck that. I can't make money off of this. Mm-hmm. The white man. I mean, it was one white man with another white man, whatever. It was a good white man and then the greedy dollar wanting white man, whatever the case might be. Anyways, anyways. So, this is essentially what I wanted to discuss before. I was going to focus on the more important of these, which were obviously the pipe systems, the heating systems, and the weapon systems. We're going to focus on China and going to focus on India. But because I couldn't fit that, now we had an entire episode of all the tech I found. Okay. Of which all of it is impressive. It, it just is. wouldn't have fit into the one episode. Maybe okay. eventually I would have addressed it again. But here mm-hmm. we are. That episode is too big. And this is now a whole episode based on this. So the ancient technologies, relics, and structures that are way more advanced. And we can go prove by just walking there and looking at it. That's crazy. And yes. they're also, they're Old. ancient. They're yes, ancient. They're ancient. <laughs> Nothing on that list is younger than starting at a thousand years ago. Nothing. And, and the oldest being, yeah, no, it's weird that Jesus just <gasps> casually cruised through somewhere and gave somebody a, a way to detect earthquakes. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. But yeah, marked with some dude's granddad. So yeah, that's where we are. If you guys just go, go look at all this stuff, bro. Type in uh, the names. I don't have to mention all the names. Just find it as you go along. You figure it out. Um, It's all there. All of it. Um, you can find us to talk to us about these things, tell us your ideas and whatnot on all the socials. That's just ConvoPod on TikTok, on X, on Instagram, on Facebook. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Yes, and word of mouth is the most overpowered, exaggerated thing that has ever existed under the sun. You can tell people, hey, look, you're paying way more electricity than you should. If -hmm. your electricity bill is exceptionally high, especially when the winter comes, because you're either powering a little electric heater or because your gas system is going a little harder because you're trying to warm your house up and you, for whatever reason, don't live in Korea where they figured it out and put the heating pipes underneath the floors, which is obviously the way to go, but Americans are stupid, so they didn't do that. But... It's too much anyway. Like, even if it was a dollar, that's too much. 
Yeah, any money. When free is the comparison. Yes. You can lower your bill By to zero. zero <laughs> if you just install this actually significantly cheaper system that would only mm -hmm. require you to cut some holes out here and there. That's it. Yes. You would just need, at best, a tool to make a wide enough hole. And the hole doesn't even really have to be that wide because the consistency of air would do it. They rely on the fact that air exists at all times. And not just when you hit a button. So Why it are would we just doing this? Because we can't charge people. Hmm. So yeah, We're tell people. Paying too much. Yeah, you're paying too much for heat and you're paying too much for electricity. And like, at the end of the day, even if the Koreans learned how to warm their house properly by putting the heating directly they're underneath, they're paying. Like, that's too much, bro. Yeah. You're paying. That's more than you should. Mm -hmm. This has been The Rambling Podcast. Take nothing personal and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. The podcast is hosted by Christina Colazzo and Jack Thomas, produced by Lynn Taylor and published by GreatThoughts.info, art by Zero Lupo, and logo by Seth McAllister, with social media managed by Amber Black.